2: LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.
3: This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on BlueMoonPodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show.
1: I don't know about you, but already this season feels like it's shaping up to be another good one. Played two. and with eight goals scored, Manchester City are already on course to smash all of the records that they set last time around. Just how hard can it be really? Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast where we'll look back over the thumping 6-1 win against Huddersfield. Let's have it right, it should have been 10-1, shouldn't it? We'll be analysing Sergio Aguero's latest hat-trick, taking apart the role that Benjamin Mendy played and trying to work out what on earth... Pep Guardiola did with his starting lineup to bamboozle the Terriers. Also in today's show, we'll catch up with former City midfielder Danny Tiatto. Howard Hawking talks us through the impact that Vincent Kompany has had at City as he passes the 10-year mark at the Etihad. And we'll look at Saturday's game with Wolves too. I'm your host this week, Sam Roscoe, and I'm joined by Goal.com's Sam Lee and City fan and blogger Richard Burns. All right, guys. You absolutely smashed that intro.
2: Yeah, it was was a classic...
1: An absolute classic. We don't get professionals on the Blooming Podcast right, for nothing, don't. do we? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, so let's dive straight into it with the uh, the Huddersfield game. How has this team evolved from last season? Because, you know, we may be early on, but what changes do you, do you see to, to how the side is, is playing so far? Because you, you'd think after... We've seen it in the past when, when Manchester City have... have dominated a season and then the next season has hasn't been so good but so far so good well there's almost
2: another way to win now I think the um what was notable about the the huddersfield game was i mean by no means was it a slow team but it was almost a starting eleven with a lot of the pace removed from it and so it's it's almost like it makes this Guardiola team even more reliant on on precise passing and you you substitute the the pace and the dynamic sense that a Leroy Sané or Raheem Sterling has it, and, and like I said, we, or Kyle Walker, and you offer it in a different way with speed and sharpness of really quick passing and movement that just completely bamboozles the defence. And then you throw into that that you've still got an option like Edison booting the ball down the pitch <laughs> and um, and switching things up that way a little bit. And it's just it's far too much to handle for um, in with all due respect, a, a team of Huddersfield's ability. Um, it will be too much to handle for most teams that we play this season. Um, that now gives scouts and, and teams that are about to play against City uh, something different to factor in. Are they going to blast us with pace? Are they going to be dynamic? Are they going to beat us with this um, sort of slower but quicker passing game? Um, and it, it just makes us, although we all know the style that City are going to roughly stick to, um, it it's another option. It's weird how much it's different, yet it fits so neatly within Guardiola's it, philosophy.
1: It felt a lot more direct as well, didn't it? Which is, is hard, really, to, to see how it can get even more direct from last season.
0: Yeah, um, and the mad thing was that you mentioned that the fast players on the bench there, and obviously the other one was Mares. and then in terms of other um, reinforcements, you've got Foden and Otamendi. And all of a sudden, it feels like, our oh, City have now got so many more options. But you think it's only Mahrez who's new. Yeah. And De Bruyne wasn't even there yeah. in the first place. All of a sudden, there's just so many options available. And, you, yeah, you, you, you nailed it in terms of there was no, like, real pace in the mm. team apart from Mendy. But the speed was there because it was players who were incredibly comfortable on the ball in tight areas. Guardiola expected they were going to park the bus. So we went, well, we're going to need people to move the ball quickly and all come into the centre and these are the players we need to do it. And he might go to Wolves, and obviously, I mean, we can all imagine it'll be a bit more open, there'll be a bit more spacing behind. He'll, he'll, he'll also notice other things, but you wouldn't be surprised if he played Mahrez and Sterling, mm-hmm. put those back in the team, Walker back in the team, and just, you know, exploit the space that way. Basically, he's got to the stage where, in terms of the evolution, he's got... he's Well, he's obviously going to have ideas of how to beat the opposition, because he's Guardiola, and that's what he does. But he's also got, while well, the squad's in this shape, so many people to do it, and the players—it's all—it's all within the fundamental framework of you know the positional play and where they need to be and where they need to give the ball when they've got it and where the next person is. They all know that, they all understand that. So when he picks a team, and for the hour before kickoff, we're all going, "What the hell does this mean?" The players know exactly what it is. They've worked on it all week, and as Richard said, I mean, there is going to be few teams. Well, no team in this league can handle the quality alone that City have got. But when you've got a plan as sophisticated as that, as confusing as that for the opposition. I mean, I, I can't. I can't see anyone handling it. Even though Huddersfield, you know that they might, they might have struggled this season. They didn't have a good season last year, despite the fact they stayed up. But just the manner that City took them apart was breathtaking.
1: I'm probably not going to put this across as gracefully as Pep Guardiola would probably put it across. But I think overall, it's a case of the ball moves quicker than the man, mm. isn't mm. it? I'd love him to come out with something like that in a press conference. You know, a big philosophical quote, Pep Guardiola style, and ultimately, you know. The ball moves quicker than the man.
2: You're only half committed to that accent, Sam. (laughs) Either fully go for it or don't try.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've still got Mancini nailed down to a T, but I'm not quite there with Guardiola yet. Um, It was
2: a bit Steve McLaren.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, that That was very Sven, Sven, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um, Guardiola's starting line it was pretty difficult to work out so God knows what they were putting on the uh, the whiteboard in in the huddersfield town dugout uh, in the huddersfield town dressing room can you explain what was going on with the formation it was um not necessarily the formation but has there ever
2: been a more left footed squad selection in the Premier League hmm. it was overwhelmingly left footed um maybe, maybe that's what it all came down to maybe huddersfield just didn't expect it to be so lopsided. Real life footers,
1: um, a bit like when Rocky Balboa trains to be a southpaw. I don't know. I've never seen them. Which one? Which Rocky's that now? Uh,
0: I've seen them, but I am. my <laughs> retention of knowledge Apollo for anything, anything that's not the... football is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Films, cricket, NFL, tennis, he, golf. I think, I think it's when
1: he fights Apollo Creed in the second one for the second time when he fights him, and he trains, you know, to to fool him. Uh, you know he trains as a southpaw and beats him that way. Well, if that is true,
0: then great, right? great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert. In terms, in Sorry. terms of the formation, it just again it goes to show the, the different ways and thinking outside the box. is like a really cliched phrase, but the way Guardiola's gone. well, Hang on, we don't need a right back. You don't. Need, we don't we're not going to need somebody here mm. to do what a right back does. We'll have Bernardo Silva who can ostensibly stay out there for a time, but basically when he's on the ball, he'll come in and he'll combine with. Gundogan, David Silva, Fernandinho, and Jesus and Aguero who are dropping off a load of players. You know that's why they do the rondos mm. and training, the boxes for that kind of thing. So the right like attacking right back role was filled by Bernardo, in a sense. Stones covered that space when he needed to, but he's gone. Well, we don't need a right back. We're not going to waste a position. We're not going to waste a man on a role we're not going to need. Stones can do that because we know the how to play with a three slash four defense. Um, and then over the other side, Mendy was more of a traditional left-sided wing-back who covered the whole flank, and you know, for Jesus' goal, you know, he picked up the ball, put it through a bloke's legs, burst past another one, he was 60 yards up the pitch before you knew it, Jesus put the loose ball in, but again, that goes to show how flexible Mendy is and how important he is, because the week before at Arsenal, he was, you know he played a role none of us had seen before, from anyone, he was doing what <laughs> Dalph was doing last season, and what he was doing last season, all in one go, and it's just that flexibility in the team, mm. Um, that no one's going to be able to live with.
1: I, I'm going to come out of a bold statement now, but I think that was the the best performance I've ever seen from David Silver.
0: Agreed,
2: he, I completely agree,
1: and he totally sums up my footballing philosophy of the ball moves quicker than the man because the amount of times he was just first first time passing it, you know, sh- I, how can he see those you, passes? Yeah. I, you know, there was some. I remember uh, on Twitter there was, there was like a, a replay of every touch from David hmm. Silver, and oh, I was nice. watching it good. and it was like three minutes of heaven yeah
2: i watched that <laughs> it
1: was perfect
2: i was left with the sense of the the first it was it was pretty much the first touch he had in the box in the first couple of minutes and i i remember thinking um and it's very easy to say in hindsight but i thought at that point this is going to be a special david silver performance because he um he was just immaculate his, his first touches. Were literally perfect, and then he turned. Uh, there was one where he, he turned the Huddersfield defence inside out in a way that is not how David Silver normally plays mm-hmm. the game. It was almost, I mean, for a David it, Silver type performance, it was almost immodest. Like was, <laughs> you know, it was it was so flashy that he was just showing off, and yeah. um, it was like he was beating. He men was enjoying for the, himself. Yeah, wasn't it was it, like yeah, he was like be- he was beating men for the sake of it to show them up, and he was. I, I can't speak highly enough of it. I mean I've never I, I ran out of the words a long time ago to describe how good David Silver is at football and if he kicks it up a notch, he's gonna he's he you know, he, he sort of makes the English language redundant. It's a <laughs> there is a different feeling I get watching him play football to any other player.
1: Particularly that performance. Um we're gonna stick with this because it, it deserves it because it, you know it it I was I'm I'm speechless now, <laughs> just thinking about it. I, you know, I think about the you know, some of the great performances that Lionel Messi puts in and when everybody raised and stuff like that, it was on a par. Mm. It was on an absolute par, his, his performance.
0: Well, the thing is with Silva, there's, there's an argument that he could have been City's Player of the Year last year because of what he had to go through, and that mental strain. Mm. Um, and not just the mental strain, but the physical strain, because he was he was training with Valencia to keep himself fit, but you know, you're missing out on the team mm. meetings. Didn't matter so much, I suppose, because he was the first player to understand what Guardiola wanted. But fine, you're not with your teammates, you're not training with that same intensity. You know, you can't... He wasn't training with Valencia's first team, you can't get a load of mates and expect them to pass the ball to you as well mm. as City's players could in training so he would have been off it there the mental strain was incredible and he still you know whenever he played he was excellent he? he didn't have a bad game there wasn't mm. even like a bad game where he went fine we can understand that there was none of that his mm. level didn't drop which is incredible by itself but now he's back and it I mean again it's a cliched phrase but it, it seems like he's enjoying his football he seemed unburdened maybe you know it's one of those things where it's a, another another cliche as well but Something like having a child puts everything in perspective. And mm. especially in those circumstances, yeah. you think, God, there is much more life to life than football. You know, this is, it's his first kid. He's gone through that scare. And now he's like, right, thankfully everything's okay. Obviously, Matteo was well enough to be there in the stadium. Mm. Fortunately, hopefully they put cotton wool in his ears for that <laughs> firework display before kickoff. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's put the frighteners on everyone in the stadium. Um, but his whole family were there. And he obviously just went, well, I, I can enjoy football and enjoy life. And he's good enough to do that and he's in a team that's good enough to allow him to do that
2: I think it was possibly the most elegant and graceful performance I can recall watching from a city player and maybe maybe that's recency bias maybe that's because it's the last game I watched <laughs> that, that that strikes me but I honestly can't recall uh, um, okay it wasn't it wasn't 90 minutes was it but I can't recall a game where I've seen a player a city player every time. yeah and he wasn't bit. even fit yeah yeah.
0: He'd only just come back to training in the week, uh, and then ev- he was only fit up for an hour.
2: Yeah, every <laughs> single touch was just full of poise, grace, and I mean, it, it's almost like he's lighter on his feet than than any other player on the pitch when he's like that. And it was, if that's what we've got to look forward to him this season, then the idea of David Silver kicking it up a notch is um, it, def- it genuinely defies belief. But I, I love him.
4: It,
1: it last little point on this, but it was that ballsy arrogance that mm. we've we've never seen from him before. You know that, like you said um, uh you know you, you put it perfectly before when you know you have these typical modest david silver, silver performances where he doesn 't you know like to show off it 's not very flashy, but he was everything but that hmm. uh, and I never thought we'd see that from him and and I have to totally agree with you, best city performance i've seen hundred percent
2: we've got a to touch on the free kick as well, but. <sighs> On. It was perfect, wasn't it? I mean, I, I'm lucky, I mean, anybody who's in the stadium to see a goal like that, lives lucky, um, but I'm in the third tier behind the other goal, and so I was up, I mean, it's one of those where it's, again, a massive cliche, but there's no better way to put it, He knew the moment that ball left his foot, and I was up, as most people around me were, up out of my seat before it was even over the wall, because it was just so obvious from behind that that was uh, going into the top corner, and a you, you, ball can't be struck better than that. You cannot float a free kick into a, into a net better than needed. It was absolutely perfect and a great rounding off of his day.
0: And left-footed, so it wasn't one of those for the goalkeeper where it starts off outside the post and comes back in. Yeah. It was closer to the keeper of anything, it yeah. still went away from him, obviously. It was, it was beautifully struck.
1: Well, sticking with the performance of David Silva, here is Pep Guardiola speaking about just that after the game.
5: Of course, he was so motivated because his family... Uh, parents and his wife, and especially Mateo is here, and uh, he has scored an amazing goal for him. So he saw never forget the first time he saw his father playing football. He could score in this uh, outstanding goal. So we met him two days ago. Now he was in the locker room with all the team, all the squad. So family was there. It was a big moment for us because last season was a tough moment for his family. For and fortunately, he fought a lot, the little boy, and, and he's here.
6: Before the game, we had trouble, I suppose, working out what kind of conventional formation uh, that City team would play in today. What advantage uh, against teams that sit very deep? What advantage does playing a system like that uh, give Manchester City?
5: Last season, teams they defend four or five in the back or, or deep, you know, defend the strikers, go so deep, helping uh, holding midfielders. And uh, last season we did it once or twice, not, not, not much more, but uh, we decided today to prove to play with two strikers, to be more present in the box and knowing that we have Mendy, like he's a guy who arrived and is clever in the final third, not just arrive and cross, He's clever to see the pass in front of the, the keeper or in the penalty spot, the pass or out of the 18-yard box. He's a, he's a clever guy arriving there and today it works. But that does not means in the next games we're going to play all the time in that way because every every game, it depends on the quality of the players we have, the players that we play, we adapt the way we attack.
4: It's Sergio's um, ninth Premier League hat-trick since he came to England, what do you think that says about him that he can still do it after so many years here and he didn't miss a couple of chances, do you think he still can become a bit more clinical? More
5: clinical, it's okay. With three goals a game is okay, so I'm not going to demand him more clinical. So since he came back, I saw him from the first second, for the first minute, wow, came back perfect. So I think the surgery from Doctor Kurat helped us a lot because he feels free now and he suffered the last years with some problems. And it's not just a score of goals. The spaces can create chances, move, assists, passes. How foul, he never stop.
3: Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
5: Pep
1: Guardiola speaking to the press after the game against Huddersfield Town. On a, on a bit of a side note, can we now trust anything Guardiola says in his press conferences after he said on the Amazon documentary that he'll defend the players in press conferences and, and tell the truth in the dressing room?
0: Nah, you we knew that anyway he will use the, the press conferences to get his point across he's done it with Aguero obviously that's the best example um, last season when Sane was starting to come into form and we were like oh tell us how great Sane is he took the opportunity to say um, actually he didn't have a great preseason." though you know we weren't quite happy with him and then again in preseason this time around obviously he was one of the few senior players who was ready Um he, he, there was there was little bits to suggest that you know he's not quite happy with him. Obviously he's not started. Mm. You know there's loads of elements for why he's not started. It's not just that, but you know Guardiola will let you know if he's unhappy with something. Mendy's the most recent one to get it. Um, but yeah, I mean we always kind of knew that if you put like a genuine criticism to Guardiola, you might get the sense that he agrees with that privately, or you might know for a fact he agrees with it privately, but he can't say it publicly. He never would say it publicly. So. Yeah, that's it basically. He's no different to any other manager, is he? He'll say what what he wants to suit him and suit the team to do what's best for the team in public, um, and that you know that covers white lies and a bit of honesty when it need, when he need be. You mentioned it there. He described Sergio Aguero as perfect. Uh, mm. Did
1: you realise that he'd been playing injured for so long? And, and can we now expect? Even better performances, Richard?
2: I hadn't realised, to be fair, I mean, we all know that Aguero has injury problems. I didn't realise it was as severe, as as he put it, that he's been playing in pain for five years. Um, When you think of his quality in all his time at City, and you think that being free of that pain will surely... I mean, I don't know. I I imagine that kind of stuff. you, You must go onto the pitch almost feeling lighter, knowing that that's not a concern at the back of your mind. Or...
0: It's you, like the physical equivalent of David Silver. Yeah. His emotional stuff.
2: Yeah, 100%. And so
0: it,
2: you'd have to say that, yeah, maybe he can get better. Maybe this is a season I when. I think he, f- he will. Yeah. I think
0: if he stays fit, this will be his best season. Yeah, maybe this is a season. season if he f- would have had his best season last year, but obviously got injured in March, and that yeah.
2: was it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is a season when he finally gets his 40 goals and, yeah. uh, you know, maybe pushing towards 50. The guy is. Um, he, he's almost. Or maybe not. Almost, he is the perfect striker. there's there isn't really a weak part to his game. He can, he can finish any chance, um, and and so if you are throwing complete fitness into that mix, where where it's not been there for a significant period of his of his uh, career, um, it's almost hard to think that he won't be having his best season, isn't it? And I mean the stats—they do the rounds every now and then about Aguero, don't they? You know, best strike rate in Premier League history, and um, he's now in the joint in the top ten all-time Premier League goal scorers. And uh, is, is he three? Is it two or three hat tricks behind Shearer in yeah. a stupid number of, um, of less games played? He is phenomenal, and the stats do speak for him. Um, range of goals in on Sunday, and. Yeah, I just, I'm just i very excited by him this season. I, I was worried that... Oh, not worried. It's a great option to have, but that uh, Jesus would be muscling him out a bit this season That it might finally be the year that we, we really start to see Jesus overtake with a full year of fitness. And um, on that performance, they're either playing together or uh, Aguero's going to be getting the nod perhaps more often than I thought, to be fair, which is naive of me.
1: <laughs> we were all waiting last season for that Edison assist from a, a goal kick. Was it... as? Every bit as special as you'd hope for, Sam.
0: Yeah, even the Route One goals are beautiful, <laughs> aren't they? Um I think my favourite City goal from that season was the one at Everton mm. when um, Edison picked out Sani on the halfway line. As soon as he got it, De Bruyne was on his bike. It's like they've worked on this. Yeah. This is and you can see it unfolding, you went, Oh god, they're doing it again. Right. They're turning they're turning it on again. But yeah, that one obviously all the way over the top. It was kind of the one that we you know picked up on in that pre season when City signed him. Um, you obviously could see Bravo well. had beaten him to it in the League Cup final, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. But I mean that was just more of like a floated <laughs> one over the top. It was still good, you know, well executed. But the Edison one, it was like it was like a golf shot, wasn't it? Yeah. Just the the kind he of the height it on him, it, yeah. yeah. It was a proper drive, a bit of swerve on it, uh, a weird height. It wasn't so high, it wasn't so low. Um yeah, like I say, even the Route One goals are perfect. They don't score normal goals, either. they don't play football like anybody else. And even even those goals are mad. But the best thing about it, and maybe I've missed it, but I've not seen any of it in the in the reaction to the goal, or the the analysis of the goal, is the little touch from Aguero where he drags it onto his right and Mm. the keeper and the defender go with him, but he immediately Mm. shifts it back onto his left. They're both done then. And he chips over over with his his weaker foot from outside the box. But it's (laughs) that little feint, that touch, that's my favourite bit about it, even more so than the Edison kick, which was just, again, it was like a golf shot. It was fantastic.
1: It was the movement from Aguero as well that that really made it. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, it was almost as if, you know... They, they hadn't realised from last season that Edison mm. can absolutely launch the ball.
0: Yeah, because it was like Huddersfield, They'd quite a bit the expected they, they moved, them yeah, yeah. To, like, just, to sit back and like, go, well, you, you can play then and we're just going like, to... It was obviously nil-nil at this point as yeah. well. But you, you can just play and we'll sit back and defend because they did all right with that over 180 minutes last season. But they went, oh no, we'll go man-to-man and block off all their options. Yeah, completely forgetting that there's one goalkeeper in the league It'll just make you look an idiot if you do that. And I mean they they dug their own grave in that respect, but you still need to have somebody to do it. And you know, Edison could have got the kick slightly wrong and it not worked, but it was it was perfect. Basically the kick was perfect.
1: Benjamin Mendy was involved in so much of the attacking play, he officially got two assists, but arguably more. How much does he change City's attacking dynamic?
0: Yeah, big time. Um we mentioned the Arsenal game where he wasn't Basically, heading into the season, we did the whole cliche thing of he'll be like a new sign-in because he'll do what he kind of suggested he would do last season, that is, bomb on down the left. But against Arsenal, it wasn't just that. You know, There was new elements to the game and him coming through the middle. And it's not just the fact that, like, Dalf coming through the middle and just being there and being another passer, he's also there. And then he, you know he can, he can burst forward with the ball, carry the ball forward, do so much more with it in an attacking sense than Dalf can. But then, again, on Sunday, we saw him play a different role, more like that wing-back role. And it just goes to show the kind of options. And he was he was his only wide outlet in that whole game mm. against a team where you think would just stay compact and you actually need mm. to play wide against them. He was he was the only one who was getting the ball in a wide position constantly. He made the difference, as, as you say, about the assists. He's got three officially overall, the two at Arsenal and obviously the Aguero one, Fantasy, uh, the fantasy football gave him two, which is the Premier League, but the Premier <laughs> League still only gave him one officially, which is odd. But, so he's got three of the eight goals that he scored, but he's had a hand in five because the, the Jesus one where he ran forward 60 yards and it was the loose ball from the tackle, that's creating it. And obviously the cross, that Hamer spilled for Aguero, that, again, he's created that goal. He's, he's been so important for City this season. And they just need to... Because I think Guardiola said, when we've got games in, in midweek, and at the weekend as well then we'll have to worry about muscle injuries for him because of you know the knee mm. the whole knee recuperation muscle injuries are a concern so they will have to like rotate him a bit but obviously as we saw last season with Delph you've got a good enough option in there so if they can manage him then he is gonna be one of the key players for City this year obviously they've got loads I and mean, they had loads last season but he's just gonna be another one which is scary for everyone else
1: well, it is time to move on and when you think of combative players for Manchester City one name that might spring up is the Australian Danny Teato he was a big part of the team that won back-to-back promotions to the Premier League under Joe Royal and was also in Kevin Keegan's Division 1 winning side in 2002 David Mooney has been chatting with the midfielder to get his memories of playing for the club
7: I think that first season was a bit of a bit of a shock for me I had a few disciplinary issues as well I got sent off a few times there as well so uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was it. Was a bit of a tough season for me. Um, yeah, I found it found it tough at times, and also yeah, right towards the end, uh, I ended up missing the, the Wembley uh, playoff basically. Uh, yeah, because I was uh, suspended at the time, so I, I wasn't even involved in that. So it was yeah, it was. It was and again, Joe Wall spoke to me uh, you know towards the end of that season, and uh, and basically said, oh listen, then, you know, I need you to go back home. I need to regroup. I need you to come back. Focused and determined, and I uh, need to, to sort of change your ways—not not a lot, but just a little bit—with uh, the suspensions and 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 the, and the way I was sort of playing uh, at the, my first season there, definitely. And, uh, and and I did that on the off season, definitely.
6: What was it like to to miss out on that Wembley game? Because uh, y- you look back at it now, and it's one of the iconic moments in in City's history, and and kind of like to think you could have been a part of it, but but for uh, suspension.
7: Yeah, I was I'm pretty pretty gutted and devastated. Uh, but uh, you know, leading up to that, that wasn't uh, that wasn't uh, nothing too uh, different for me. Because uh, leading up to that, that, a couple of years before, when I was back in Australia playing in the in the old uh, in the old A League, the old professional setup, Australia, I ended up missing two grand finals through uh, suspensions as well. So I missed uh, two grand finals, and we won both of them as well. So that just uh, went hand in hand. That. Uh, and that's uh, following me on uh, definitely uh, at, that, at that you know that stage in Manchester City. Um, you know, four years later, basically, I'd sort of gone through the same thing where I missed out on a on a great occasion, a great part of history of, of the club. But uh, again, no, I, I can't I can't change anything about it. I've got no regrets. That's the way I was at the time, and uh, you just have to move on. And uh, you know what, I was just. Delighted that we you know got the result and got us out of that uh, the old second division because again that was a very hard and very scrappy scrappy league where you had to fight for every every game we played we had to fight basically and, and we're lucky we had the players that actually you know committed and done that as well to, to get us out of there.
6: what were you doing on the on the day of the playoff we there at, at Wembley?
7: um you what? Know, funny enough uh, Joe Roy let me actually go home uh, back to australia so he goes, you know what? I'd rather you go back to Australia, clear your head. There's, you know, you're, you know, well, basically no use to me. Um, you know, sitting in the grandstands anyway. So sort I of think so. He let me go home uh, prior to that as well. So I was actually at home watching it uh, with all my family and friends, and I can tell you what, I was uh, I was on the engineering seats uh, just like every other supporter was uh, there in in, in in the grandstands as well. And soon as soon as we won that game, I was, it was the biggest relief of uh, my early early footballing career. Yeah, definitely.
6: Did the squad ever talk about back-to-back promotions? And you know, after that Wembley game and, and getting up into the first division, did they ever talk about about you know going up again and, and trying to bounce straight back to the Premier League?
7: Um, well, sort of not spoke about it, but our goal was in general goal was yeah, he was always saying, "Come on, guys, if we're good enough. We can uh, you know we can match it in this division. We can uh, if we we keep on working hard and, and, and you know with the boys we've got here and, and the talent we've got and the determination and the camaraderie we we, we had around the, the change room." New sort of express. You know, listen, boys, we can do it. We can definitely, uh, you know, make make the next jump. Uh, as long as everyone is uh, he's, he's definitely on board and everyone's working in the same direction, and, and I think that's yeah, he gave that that belief uh, in the players that you know what we could actually uh, you know, win, the, win the first division, and get promoted to the Premier League as well. So, and that's what he instilled into all of us as, as a playing group, which was which was great. And that's why I think a lot of boys, uh, you know, really really you know appreciate the the work that uh, Joe Long put in, uh, you know, coaching us uh,
6: boys at the time. Looking back now, can you can you still not believe that that goal at Middlesbrough was ruled out?
7: Uh, yeah, it's, it's always it's always a tough one. Uh, I don't gets borne up uh, every now and then. Uh, again, was, uh, yeah, like I, said, you know, I was yeah, I said you know very surprised. I think I, with the VAR around the video uh, you know, analysis now, they you need know, to to make sure that that, that got counted. But uh, again, I was uh, you know yeah definitely disappointing that you know I ran a, ran a fair bit of the field to, to slot in the bottom corner, but. Uh, I know Darren Huckabee is always a bit of a goal page. He nearly, nearly stuck a toe on it, but it wasn't going in his direction. So, again, it was just one of those things. And, uh, yeah, when, uh, you know, I was disappointed that didn't count at the end of the day.
6: Did you speak to the referee? Did he, did he say anything about the, uh, about the decision afterwards?
7: Uh, well, he, he basically he, he just thought, uh, I think, the lines would actually uh, flag. And I think uh, he, like, he basically said, oh, yeah, you know, Darren, Darren Huckabee was in an offside position and that, even though... It didn't cross the path of uh, my fellow Australian Mark Swartz who was in goal at the time. So, so again, it's uh, you know one of those decisions uh, that you know, the, you know the referees and the linesmen they, they you know sometimes get them right and they sometimes get them wrong. So at the end of the day, there was uh, you know there was no no coming back from that. But uh, as well, the, the video replay show that it should have been clearly uh, given over the goal.
6: Now you you mentioned earlier on about your discipline as uh, as one of the issues that that Joe Roll had in his first season. Do you remember the incident uh, against Norwich and and what happened there?
7: I was a little bit harshly done by, you know, the, the play the Norwich players actually you know dragged me back, they uh, controlled control the ball, and I sort of you know, lashed out. You know, fair enough, I shouldn't have lashed out, but there was no connection whatsoever, in it. And he's rolled rolling around on the ground, and I, and I remember actually still Pierce running up to up to the player who's rolling around saying, you know, he actually didn't even touch you. How, how embarrassing that you fall down like that. And, and the referee, you know, thought that I'd, uh, you know, actually caught him with a, with a swinging arm or an elbow, which I clearly didn't. And again, I'd sort of lost my rag um, a little bit there and walked off the field and kicked a few of their drink bottles uh, into their dugout and, uh, yeah, bit some fracas there uh, as well. But, uh, yeah, my temper, yeah, that, I'd lost your cool. and, Again, it was uh, you know, something that you know, I'd, I'd sort of done and, uh, and and had to deal with uh,
1: the consequences that came with it.
3: This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com. Forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
1: David Mooney speaking to former Manchester City midfielder Danny Teato. The full twenty five minute interview is available for all our patron backers. Just head on over to patreon forward slash blue moon podcast to check that out. Moving on now to Wolves, the early kickoff on Saturday at Molyneux. How tough a test will this be?
2: Do you know I, I'm a little bit worried about this one on only on the basis. There's a little bit of sort of old city creeping into me here. I wish Wolves had a win under the belt. Hmm. Um because there's a little bit of me thinks that you know, not with a win yet, and the the bringing City to Molyneux, um and they'll they'll just be desperate for it, won't they? It looked a, a pretty impressive atmosphere that they created in in the first game against Everton. Um and not that City will be, you know, I'm sure City won't be worried about an atmosphere at Molyneux as such, but just in how that might get into the players and it'll be a slightly different test to what we've played so far. Um, I'm not taking it for granted in a way that I would uh, if, you know, we were playing Cardiff this weekend as one of the other promoted clubs. <laughs> What's uh, your prediction, though? <laughs> um, <laughs> shut up, Sam. We'll get to that. Shut up, let's not... We're, aren't we supposed to pretend like we've predicted them off the top of our head? And now you're letting people see. <laughs> anyway... Oh. Um no I you know I'm I'm as a prediction I do think City will win but there's a little nagging doubt at the back of my mind that thinks that um it's not nailed on this one yeah. because there's just a few factors about it and if I'm if I'm honest about it the factors aren't really rational ones it is based on that um typical city yeah the walls are going to be up for it they're not going to go ages without a win they're probably going to be big teams this season We didn't lose to anybody last season other than United or Liverpool in the league. So, at some point, we're due a a bit of a shock defeat. And, I don't know, Wolves seem as likely as anybody to deliver it. But maybe that's completely irrational and we'll batter them.
1: Everyone, including myself, expected Wolves to to get off to a real flying start. They've they've drawn with Everton and, and lost to Leicester. And with the way that City are playing so far this season, you know, is it one of those, a case of that they've not really got much to fear?
0: I think Guardiola's expecting a tough game as well, but then again, he always is, isn't he? But Wolves played Everton, and Everton had ten men for the second half, and they played Leicester. They were quite good against Leicester, and they, you know, could have taken the lead. But again, yeah, they were 2-0 down. But again, Leicester had ten men for the last half an hour or so. But the worrying thing from Wolves' point of view was they just look a bit toothless. You know, they've got a lot of nice players there, but in the two games so far, it's just they haven't got a striker who's going to put who's going to put chances away. And you think if they've struggled against Everton, they've struggled against Leicester, I don't see why they'd be any better off against City. And the way Guardiola's, as we've already talked about, the way he's come up with plans and the way he's he's spotted certain things from teams and if they if they do leave City space, then they're gonna be in trouble. And if they sit back, then they're not gonna not gonna further their own chances mm. of of scoring and City will eventually get one. So yeah, I mean I, I do I do see where it is coming from and your prediction for this game, I was like this with Arsenal mm. and I did like a preview for goal, it was like, I'm not really sure it could be difficult, Arsenal are fit, you know, they've been together more for pre season, mm. we're not really sure what to expect from City. That said, I think it's gonna be three one to City. Yeah. And yeah, I, I see I see where you're coming from, but City have just been so impressive this season. And yeah, you know, the Arsenal game, Arsenal aren't quite where they need to be, but it was no easy easy game and City weren't at their best, so they should, should, should surely say it'll be fine this weekend.
1: What lessons can Guardiola take from last season's League Cup game? It was
0: a uh, nil-nil that, that City eventually went on to win on on penalties. It was a big, it was a much changed team though, weren't it? And that was, I think, Torre started that, and that was when everyone went because <laughs> at the start of the season, Fernandinho hadn't been so good, he, and people. I'll get Torre mm. on, and, which was understandable at the time because it, how he'd finished the season before. But then he played, he started that Wolves game in October, or whatever it was, and he was like, "Oh yeah, let's not do this again." and there was a couple of mad times when it was like wacky races they like <laughs> tosin was like chasing back after him with their one-on-ones He'd, they'd stream in through on goal like no team had done that all season to city the full strength team they played that team of kids was it zinchenko's first game at left back and like kind of understandably like terrible um i'm i'm not really sure maybe he could go oh well, if they want they could they can park the bus and be difficult but again it wasn't against the strongest city team they weren't particularly well motivated for it and <coughs> It should be completely different on Saturday.
1: One game a week for the time being, does that mean we shouldn't expect too many changes from, <laughs> from Pepsi? I
0: think I think he made loads. Just yeah. because of what he's done already.
2: Yeah, I, I I'm at the point where I don't see any value in trying to predict No, the, there's no the, idea now. Yeah. I've got no idea. Um I don't think there's any way we can realistically analyze it. You know, beyond um I, beyond being a, a football scout that um that Sam tried his hand at this week to be fair but beyond being a football what, me or him? you what have I done this week? exposing city tactics All that, yeah, yeah anyway that pass
0: <laughs> that, that company that company pass to bernardo won't be tried again <laughs>
2: um but yeah but i mean it's, beyond being a scout and being able to forensically analyze the what the opposition do? You know, I'm I'm just not as well up on walls enough as I'd like to be to predict yeah. what how it approach. I mean, you, could, yeah, you could you could have watched every 100... Wolves game for 40 years. Yeah, and you're not going to see what Guardiola's. The no, is. there's a, a hundred different ways to 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 kill them, aren't there? For City now, so
0: I mean, he could play Otamendi, and afterwards, in his heart of heart, like you could interview him in the dressing room, or it could come out on a documentary, which I don't think they're filming. <laughs> but he could say, "Oh well, we needed, well, we noticed this, and we needed this." So he's kind of you know he can play with it on the floor yeah. better than company. Yeah. He's just as good in the air kind of thing, or and that could easily apply to any of the forwards. Mm. Like Mares, I mean for me Mares, he, he still needs a bit of time to be a bit sharper. Mm. So maybe you wouldn't play him. Chuck Sterling in, maybe it's time Sané. for Sané with the space in behind. But then if you've got if you've got Mendy on the left hand side, maybe you could play Jesus and Aguero. There's so many things to consider. Like Gundaman's played every game So I say every game but both mm. Premier League games when we thought maybe he wouldn't play at the weekend there's, there's so many different things to consider even without De Bruyne being there uh, it, it is m- harder than ever to predict what is going to do and it's never been easy if you remember his first mm. season he was changing every week yeah.
1: uh, we, um, we well I, it's something that was brought up on the last post uh, podcast I uh, hosted with um, Andy and Murd, and this was something we were talking about. But it's very much horses for courses now with, with City this season because he's got so many tools at his disposal, mm. and everybody knows the role. Everybody knows how they're going to be playing. Everybody, you know, seems in tune with everything, and and the, it, it just seems whatever team he puts out is totally gelled and is totally comfortable with with everybody. Um, so it, you know. I don't think there's a strongest eleven. No, no, there isn't. There's no,
0: no strongest eleven. You can't pick one. But, but then people will say, oh well, if they were playing the Champions League final, what would the team be? It's like what who are they playing the Champions League final against? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah, yeah. simple as that. There is no strongest eleven now. Uh,
1: well, time for some predictions. There were no winners on last week's show, which means we stay on uh, 100 pounds raised for the Christie so far this season. We have. Uh, don't forget a £10 correct score single bet for each of our panellists thanks to bookmakers William Hill all in aid of the charity which looks after and treats people with cancer. Wolves is up next. Let's see if we can add to the pot. David Mooney has gone for a 3-1 City away win which is 9-1 to with Hills uh, and that is £90 that could be going into the pot. Uh, Sam, what have you gone for? 4-1. You're saying 4-1 which is the city, obviously. Yeah, 14-1 to 1, uh, with William Hill, so a, a nice, cool £140 could be going into the pot. Richard, round us off.
2: 3 nil 50.
1: 3-0, clean sheet in there as well. 13-2 to 2 with William Hill, which means £65 could be going into the pot. Don't forget, you have to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change, and for more on responsible gambling, visit BeGambleAware.org. This week, we have had... Vincent Company's 10 year anniversary at Manchester City and Howard Hawking is back to talk through the impact that he's had in his decade at the Etihad I put a spell on you
4: not sure who they are, but they say a week is a long time in politics. And it can be in football too, no more so than at the start of a season, when a solitary defeat sends a club into meltdown. Leads to riots in the street, or results in Jose Mourinho calling Luke Shaw fatty bum bum in a pre-match press conference, before retiring to his hotel room to binge on chicken and mushroom pot noodles. It's only a matter of time, trust me. With that in mind, 10 years is a ridiculous length of time. Look at our lives. 10 years ago I had black hair and I had no idea what gout was. Nor Twitter, Instagram or best of all, memes. Katy Perry topped the charts with tales of kissing a solitary girl and what's more, she liked it. Sit her own by a soon-to-be fugitive whose main gift to fans was free curry in Albert Square. Thankfully, before his exile, Thaxin Shinoacha had a couple more gifts to hand out. One was selling up and sodding off, the other was Vincent Company, signed ten years to the day that I write these words. Ten years, quite a lot has happened at City since then, all things considered, but the main man is still here. It seems strange to consider that Hamburg were quite happy to get rid of him. He arrived back late from the Olympics, had other niggling issues with management, and was known even then as the glass man, prone as he was to the occasional injury. £6 million pounds was all it took to secure his transfer, which today wouldn't even pay for Fabian Delph shin pads or Bebe. But credit where credit is due for Mark Hughes, who had shown an interest in the player for a while, though credit removed for seeing him as a defensive midfielder. To be fair, Vincent saw himself as one too. Thankfully, Roberto Mancini saw something else in him, and the rest is history. Of course, I don't need to run you through his career, you'll know it all. So many awesome performances, so many highs, seven trophies, not nine, that header against United, and so, so many injuries. At one time he was so good he made the PFA Team of the Year, though obviously individual awards were to elude him because at that time Liverpool had a player who was doing quite well. The fact is there's no better sight than seeing Vincent Company lifting a trophy, none. Ok, maybe no cure N1 Turnstile, but that apart, none, and the latter is yet to happen, so in a way it's hard to judge. But seriously, all my favourite City moments can be linked to that site, one way or another. The true regret with company is naturally that his body let him down on too many occasions. I've expected him to leave the club for this reason for the past four years. But despite the incredible damages repeated breakdowns must have on a player mentally and physically, he never gave up. He never gives up now. And on Sunday played his 336th game for the club. Signing just before the 2008 takeover, Vinny has shared the journey with those bitter birds, even marrying a Mancunian for added effect. With rumours he is part of a consortium planning to take over Stockport County, and Moustache is surely the next natural step. Company was the sort of player City missed during the dark times. Successful clubs, especially down the road, could keep players, wanted to keep players, the players wanted to stay, the good ones that is. They had club legends who were there for a period of continued success whose deeds will live on in the fans' memories for many decades to come. City had club legends too, of course. The definition does not depend on trophies won. But the term is elevated when they are part of something bigger, something better, when they are there for a change in the balance of power for the first time in over a generation, there to celebrate with us days we never thought we'd see. When they climb those Wembley steps time after time with a smile on their face, and throughout, our captain did it with a level of skill, determination and grace that we've rarely seen before, or will again. He was the player fans of other clubs respected, even if they were wired to hate his club, the player they had to dig really deep to find fault with. Company's more than a great footballer though, so much more. You'll have seen a glimpse of this during the All or Nothing documentary. Bernardo Silva commented that he could be president his speeches are that good. I'll assume he wasn't referring to the USA. He's a conduit between all branches of the club, a connector and an expert communicator. When Pep Guardiola gives one of his half-time team talks that no doubt falls on untrained ears, you'd expect company to be the translator afterwards. A footballer, captain, leader, diplomat and ambassador for a club. A man from whom I gain almost as much satisfaction from hearing him talk as I do watching him play football. Almost. So how do we reward such a stalwart a club legend? A statue for starters. His goal celebration pose a possibility But perhaps not fitting for a defender City need more statues Though the bees will do for now A decade usually signifies a testimonial And an all-stars game for charity would work Though God help us if it doesn't sell out The seat sniffers' heads will explode Anyway, whatever it is I hope it's more than a lifelong season ticket Especially as Yaya Torres is probably available anyway And whatever it is It won't be enough Because it can't be My hope now is that he can stay generally fit and lift at least one more trophy, ideally the biggest two of all. I hope too that when his body finally decides enough is enough, he will still be involved with City in some way or another. He won't be short of offers anyway. He may not even stay in football, but whatever he does, you kind of get the feeling he'll be pretty good at it. So here's to you, Vincent Company, because City loves you more than you will know.
5: I'm Colin Bell and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
3: Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast.
1: Howard Hawking talking about Vincent Company's 10 years at Manchester City. Do you want to feel old? Company is now the only player left at City that was here before the Blue Moon Podcast started. There's a cool little fact for you that, that you, you, know, you don't really care about judging by the look on your face, Richard Burns.
2: Uh, no I do care um, I just don't know how to express the way that I care it's it does make me feel old
1: Anyway that's irrelevant just sum up what company means to Manchester City
2: um, it, Well is more than most footballers do um, football isn't really a sport that allows you to form like serious you know bonds with players anymore just the nature of it um, there's a Understandably, because of finances and um, the sort of gentrified nature of a, a football crowd these days, um, there's a there's almost a disconnect, isn't there, between fans and players, and understandably so. And I, you know, I don't see that as a problem, but it does mean that when you get somebody who comes along who, almost in spite of um, the modern setup of football, manages to embrace a club and a community, um, and almost uh, despite having no No obvious connection um, to to our group, I suppose, to our club. Um, He still manages to to almost represent us um, and sort of transcends just being a football player for a football club for you know a period of time. Um, He's he's in city folklore. um, for many, many reasons, but one of those is the, his personality um, and, and what he's given to the club, and more than just as a football player, uh, but as a, a as a great, great man. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to witness him for this last ten years. Uh, hopefully, we've got another couple to come yet. Um, but he's just wonderful, isn't he? He's a he, he is a great defender, and uh, more importantly, he he transcends that. He's a he's a, a fantastic
1: guy. Well, he's always shown leadership qualities. He was the first player we ever interviewed on the podcast all the way back in January 2010 and even then he was being touted as a future captain of the club. Here's what he said when David Mooney put that to him.
3: It would be a great honor someday to to fill in that role, but you know everything in his time really at the moment I'm still learning a lot, but as I said, I've always been someone who speaks his mind will who- Command on the pitch, and that's not from now, but from the age of six when I started to play football it's always been in my character, so whether I'm captain or not I don't think that will change a lot in the way i will uh, um be around the ground and around the uh, and on the pitch So, i mean the, the, my teammates know that so. Uh, But other than that, I think it's it's a great honour, but we have a great captain at the moment. Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com.
1: Vincent Company and David Mooney having a chat way back in January 2010. Sam, how much of a surprise is it that he's still so prominent given the injuries that he's had during that three or four year period under Pellegrini and, and Guardiola?
0: surprised you embargoed that content for eight years <laughs> um, yeah no it is it, it, i mean le- i'm sure lesser athletes would have given up by now genuinely that's not hyperbole i don't think uh well it's not <laughs> i mean it. he's he's had so many injuries and you think well surely this one's gonna this one's gonna do him now and that might have been two or three years ago and also you've got the fact that guardiola didn't particularly rate him didn't particularly think that he would fit into his system you know Guardiola for you know he's got everything right basically but he's been wrong about quite a few players in terms of not fitting into the system and company was one of them but again we go back to the end of last season and company for various different reasons was the first choice center back in the biggest games and i think that just goes to show the you know the the mental strength that goes along with the talent that he's obviously got as a, a great defender um but he's he's got um, phenomenal mental strength because to come, to overcome those injuries and have so many setbacks, you know, to work your way up from like the fifth serious one, and then you're back playing for, you know, four minutes in some cases, and then you get, yeah, the the fifth serious one, and then you work your way back from that, and you're back four months later, and the same thing happens again, and that has happened two, three, four times. It's it takes an, an incredible amount of of courage and hard work and dedication to do that, and he gave one mix own interview after he came back, and he just said, lads, look. Remember, if I look a bit rusty, uh, I'm going to need six weeks, you know, because I've been away for so long. But I can't remember watching him play. Many, well, all right, oh, fine. There has been a couple of games where his distribution has not been great, but that's because he's he's having to, you know, learn a new skill set. But I can't remember watching any games where you think actually he looks rusty because of his injury. We've taken for granted that he can come back, and if he gets through a game fitness wise, he certainly gets through performance wise. He's, he's he's very rarely looked rusty in like the defensive duties. Apart from that time at Leicester, actually last season, where he nearly got sent off after about five minutes, but <laughs> yeah. fine, yeah. but fine, that can happen to anyone.
1: Richard, can you even imagine a, a City team that doesn't contain him?
2: Oh, I can imagine a team without him because we've had to make do with it for far too um, significant a portion of his City career. But um, a club without him, I think now, is, is unimaginable. He is, um, you know, was like big clubs have these players, don't they, that, that hang around and. Um, long after, and their name sort of becomes massively synonymous with their success, even sort of long after they've finished playing. Um, And company's going to be that for us, I think. He will... I mean, he said it himself. It's not like we're we're guessing here and saying, well, City will probably try and keep him around. They are going to want him around, and he's going to want to stay. And whether that be in a coaching capacity, whether it's using his business degree and... um, or holding and being ambas- the next
1: chief exec.
2: Yeah, I mean, genuinely, you never know. Yeah. Or, or holding an um, an ambassadorial role for for a while. Um, wh- whatever he does, he's going to be around the club and he will he will hold some sway there. And to be fair, I say an ambassadorial role, but I mean he's already a great ambassador for mm. the club. Whatever he does, he will carry that that responsibility. So yeah, I will I will miss him greatly as a player. But I'm actually I will be quite excited once he's finished to see what his future with City holds
1: well there is only one way to end this part of the show so let's have a surprise quiz on Vincent Company's <laughs> 10 years <laughs> at no, Manchester City
2: I hate it when you do this to us it's a
6: surprise quiz on Vincent Company's 10 years at City
1: yes a surprise quiz on Vincent Company's 10 years at City the rules are simple fellas pick a number between 1 and 6 and answer the question behind it the winner is the one with the most points so Sam as the non-City fan amongst us, would you like to go first or second? First. Okay. Pick us a number between one and six, please. Two. Number two. Who were the opponents of Vincent Company's first City goal?
0: First City goal? Wigan.
1: You're absolutely right, <laughs> no on Megan Athletic was correct
0: one. Genuinely I guess <laughs> could, I mean I could have flagged that But that was a genuine 100% stab in the dark
1: Richard for the equaliser Give us a number between 1 to 6
0: That's all I've
2: got to do for the equaliser I'll <laughs> go number 3 please then.
1: Number 3 against which team did Vincent Company First get sent off for City oh, God. I don't know United Wrong It was this weekend's opponents, Wolves
2: no recollection of it.
1: <laughs> so, Sam, to extend your Imagine. lead here, pick us a number. We've already had two and three. Four. Four. What was the first trophy Vincent Company lifted as city captain?
0: I'm, I'm just trying to cover the bases here, but he's not going to banter me off with something stupid in pre season, I Because, right, well, it's the FA Cup. It's not. Tevez, it, it's not Tevez was captain I'm afraid oh, We're going to have yeah. to Take the, the Premier
1: first League answer It was the Premier League oh, In 2012 yeah. Richard See, oh Neil, We were so talking
0: about that Today with Lescott earlier Did we get it to steal Are we, are we allowed to steal No, no
1: it? It's not in this Surprise oh, farce. <laughs> Surprise <laughs> quiz uh, Richard So pick us a number That isn't 2, 3 and 4 uh, 5 please sir. Number 5 How old is Vincent Company? 32 Absolutely spot on which means we go into the final round of questions with the scores uh, all wasn't square. Listening, was I? That's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> Sam.
0: Come on. Oh, oh, yeah, 6
1: You're going to go with 6 on which ground did Vincent Company score his first goal last
0: season? Oh, how long have I got to think about this? Come on, think. Oh, I'm I might say Wembley.
1: Is that your final answer?
0: All right, I'll give me another minute to think about it. No, go on, it is, yeah.
1: You're saying Wembley. You're absolutely correct. It was in the yes. League Cup final. So, Richard, this is it for the
2: draw. Oh, I'll take number one, please. <laughs> please.
1: <laughs> number one, what shirt number did Vincent Company make his City debut in? Um, 33? You don't sound too sure about it. No, that. I'm
2: not. I'm I'm terrible at shirt numbers. Um, but I'm reasonably certain it was in the 30s. Reasonably. Um, I'm
1: going to have to take your first answer. <laughs> That's fine. Is it you're miles saying, out? You're saying all the threes. Was that, was that Nigel De Jong? You're absolutely correct. It was, was it 33, which means the you know uh, surprise Vincent Company quiz ends in a draw.
2: That's respectable. I can't believe I can't believe I got a shirt number. I couldn't tell you the shirt
1: numbers of players now.
3: This is the Blue Moon podcast.
1: So it is time to move on after that uh, epic quiz shall we say, and uh, it is unfortunately the final part of this week's episode of the Blue Moon Podcast, but it is all about you wonderful listeners. You get your questions into us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast or you can uh, get in touch via the website com. The first one comes from George Shipp, who has been in touch via the website. What impact will the injury to Claudio Bravo have on the side?
0: If Edison... Well, the thing is one of the biggest problems I thought this season would be if Edison gets injured and Bravo's in goal then City could have a big problem mm. but it's like if Edison gets injured now I mean fine Murich or Grimshaw may not be great but I, I mean yeah fine Bravo did play a big part in the League Cup but if he had to play like six or seven games on the bounce I think there'd be tr- big trouble there so I I, I don't know it shouldn't, it shouldn't make too much of an issue as long as Edison's Edison's fit then nothing at all because if City don't win the League Cup Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna want Guardiola's head on a stick for that. Is it? So. Penny
1: for Angus Gunn's thoughts? Um,
0: yeah. Do you think he's gonna yeah, be bothered be. Or? Um, Well, presumably he knew he wasn't gonna be number one at Southampton. You know, so I assume he's fine with that. But yeah, I suppose I suppose it's natural to think, oh, I could have been, I could have been the keeper in like, the League Cup. But I suppose he'd made his decision. It can't mm. have been an easy decision for him to leave. So he'd obviously thought. This is this is what I want to do, and knowing you know our footballers think and just human beings think I don't I doubt he's going to have any regrets about something like that.
2: Um, yeah, it's it's not ideal, is it? You wouldn't ever choose an injury to your backup goalkeeper
0: um, if you were going to pick one player, there. Yeah,
2: it doesn't have an obvious impact on the team, does it? Um, beyond keeping Edison honest and on his toes for the season. Um, you know, was he ever really doing that anyway? Um, it'd be nice to have the cupkeeper option, but then if we do well in the Cups and Edison's playing in them, you know, it's rare now that your number one gets to play at Wembley and in a cup final, isn't it, because you have cupkeepers, so without counting chickens, it would be nice if Edison could get a, a cup final performance.
1: <laughs> and finally, Max Mitchell has emailed in, why do you think Pep's treatment of Sane seems so harsh? I does, think, it, does it seem harsh? Max seems to think so.
2: Um, we spoke about this one recently. I I don't think it's harsh because <clears throat> what we see, and this is even more obvious now the All or Nothing documentary has been out, but what's, what has always been fairly obvious is that what managers say publicly and in press conferences is not 100% representative of what they say behind closed doors. So what come, what might come across as pithy or... Um, a bit harsh about Sané sometimes that Pep says publicly it's not like he's, you know, after a match he says, well Leroy didn't have a great pre-season and then Sané doesn't talk to him for the next week and we have to, he performs, is it? Pep's straight back in the dressing room with him after analysing how he's played, spending a week training him and When we see how Sané has come on, as I said last time, we were asked a a similar question. Sané came to City as an extremely promising and extremely talented young player. He has come on leaps and bounds in that time, and that is because he's working with Guardiola and his staff and obviously the quality of players that he's got around him. There is not a problem... There doesn't appear to be a real problem with Sané. I think Pep just knows that maybe... Maybe he's the type of character who needs a bit more of the the tough love, and somebody like David Silva, who's in the latter stages of his career, um, you know. Pep speaks in glowing terms about him at every opportunity because clearly that's what David Silva responds to. And also, he's
0: a model pro, isn't he? Sometimes. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, he doesn't need any stick.
2: Yeah, true. And so, but but Sonny is still a very very young lad making his way in the game, which is easy to forget because of. Um, what he's achieved already and, and how he can dominate a Premier League game when he's really, really on it. Um, so I think it's just a, I think it's just Pep knowing his players um, and I don't think it's indicative of a problem in their relationship or anything like that.
1: Probably go on to have a Stormer now at Wolves, won't we?
2: Well, I would think so if he plays. He's a... Fabulous
1: player. Well that is it for this week's episode of the Blue Moon Podcast but if you want a little bit more don't worry about it because we have got you covered with our bonus show for everybody who backs $2 a month on Patreon. Full details at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast It's always at least 10 minutes long and this week it is all about our Captain Fantastic Vincent company so make sure you check that out and for your $2 a month you'll also get regular blogs by David Mooney and Richard Burns. Rich Richard, what are you blogging about?
2: Um, plug, plug, plug. I did... My first one uh, was a few weeks ago about why expectation could be uh, City's biggest hindrance this season. Um, and my next one... I think, is going to be uh, a few things I enjoyed about the All or Nothing documentary.
1: So there you go. Get signed up and make sure you check that out. And, of course, all the money raised goes towards the show's running costs, which, um, you know, without your support, the show would not be as good as it is. Thanks again to my two guests today, Richard Burns.
2: Thank you very much, Sam. Absolute pleasure.
1: And Sam Lee. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Have a great week.
3: Is the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
0: Good radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to have lost after the panel here now.
2: Fill the dead air,
0: Sam. Fill the dead air. We're going to cut this out because I of- can't believe I wasn't <laughs> listening properly to that question. And we knew that earlier because we were speaking to Lescott about when he became captain. No, no, no,
2: no. Fill the dead air, not moan about not winning the No, games, that is
0: what I, I do. That is what I do. You know, you know how my life is. There's enough of it on Twitter. <laughs>